Sorry, I don't have any bulletins there. I walked right out of the house without them, so I'll try to get them for you tonight. Uh, we have a new picture on the bulletin from uh, Brother Michael and the picture of the mechanic, uh, Brother Needham's mechanic, that got saved. So hopefully tonight we can get that to you. Okay, yeah, and Brother Johnson, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. We just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house here this morning, Father, and start this week off with you and close fellowship. Uh, Father, we, we also think of those that aren't able to be here today because of sickness. Father, you would reach your healing hand down and place it upon them and lift them up, give them the help and strength they need. We think of Sister Rebella and Sister Joyce, Sister Nancy. Mrs. Wall, Father, you give these people healing. Father, help them to recover, that you would keep them from getting discouraged, that you would encourage their hearts during this time. Father, we also know there's nothing more important than a soul, a soul's eternity. We think of Helen this morning, his need for Christ. Father, those words of yours that were spoken to him Thursday. I pray even at this moment that uh, they would cross his mind and he'd be thinking about them, thinking about you, thinking about uh, his eternity, Father. So I pray that you, throughout this day, just continue to work in his heart, melt his heart, heart. Father, as we open up your word here and look at it this morning, I, I pray that you bless this time together and bless your word and give the pastor words to say, Father. I just pray that our hearts have been prepared to receive it, Father. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So last time we looked just a little bit at chapter 1, verse 30 there, which says, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. So, so Paul is trying to reach these new, newer Christians, and he knows they're going to run into conflict. Well, what is the best thing to do when we run into conflict? Well, verse 3 of chapter 2 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So we talked about last week, sometimes when there's a conflict, um, we get into that uh, self-preservation mode. Uh, and we talked last week about um, sometimes even being terrified. Um, as we think of verse 28, chapter 1, verse 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Have you ever had a dream that was just terrifying? Or just a dream that was troubling? Uh, maybe a dream where you got into some kind of trouble that you would, in real life, would never <laughs> get into trouble like that. But in the dream, you find yourself in trouble. Um, well, Elijah, uh, we talked about Elijah. That, let's go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. He found himself in a conflict, and he, he was troubled. 1 Kings 19, 
And we'll read the first uh, four verses there. First Kings 19. First four verses. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and what? Went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he what? might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. So we, we looked at Elijah just taking off, and um, the Lord had to come to him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? What, what are you doing? So then we go back to Philippians. Well, actually, we're going to go to 2 Kings then, 2 Kings 9. But Philippians 1.28 says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. But 2 Kings 9. So did Elijah really have to fear Jezebel? I mean, God helped Elijah defeat over 400 false prophets on Mount Carmel. Um, could God not protect him from Jezebel? Well, of course he could. But Elijah just got to that point where he just, the first thing was, I've got to flee. I've got to run. So in 2 Kings 9.30, um, God took care of Jezebel, but in his own time. Uh, 9.30, and when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, he said, had Zimri, as she said, had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And he trod her underfoot. So God, God took care of Jezebel. And he, and he could have and would have if Elijah just went taken off and, and ran. God, God would have taken care of Jezebel. Um, in his own time, and, and he did in his own time. Then you look at 2 Kings 9.34. 2 Kings 9.34, And when he was come in, he did eat and drink, and said, Go, see now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, and the feet, and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is what? The word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. God used Elijah to give that very prophecy. And yet when he was threatened by Jezebel, he took off running. He, he already knew Jezebel then from the prophecy. Verse 37, And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say this is Jezebel. So uh, she met a horrible end, and Elijah did not have to take off running. So 
God also promises to take care of us. We live in a day where there's so much wickedness going on, so much. Now, I believe it was the Heritage Foundation, um, plus there was a Rasmussen poll taken. In the Rasmussen poll taken, they found, I think it was 24% of those who responded said they cheated in the ballot in the, in the 2020 election. They cheated. You know, there was all the mail-in ballots. Can you imagine that? A quarter of the people they polled admitted they had cheated in the election. And so they factored that in of the five swing states, and guess what? Uh, it comes out that the vote didn't end out what they really said it ended out. Um, so you're thinking, we're over three years down the road, and now they're telling us it was a faulty election. Um, I think we knew that before, didn't we? But no one would listen. No one would listen. Uh, it was pretty obvious. Uh, but now it comes out. Um, what all does the Lord have in store? I don't know. Um, but we just have to humble ourselves before him. And is our nation wicked? Yes, it is very wicked. Do we deserve what we're getting? Yes. Uh, is our nation in turmoil and chaos? Yes. I had a news note this week and I'm from New York City, and there was some immigrants from, illegal immigrants from Venezuela who were, the police were trying to arrest one of them, and a bunch of the other ones were kicking at the police and surrounding them. Like there's two police officers in the video I saw, and um, I feel sorry for the police officers in those sanctuary cities. It is... It's horrible what they are enduring. So I don't know what's going to happen to our nation. We are wicked. Um, we, have, we have had abortion now for over um, 50, over 50 years. In 73, it was legalized. Uh, it's 24 now, so over 50 years. I think of the millions and millions of babies who have been killed, the innocent blood has been shed and defiles our land, Numbers 3533. And, and I think of the sodomy, our nation, our government, our news media is pushing and promoting sodomy. Uh, we, we are just wicked and vile. So we deserve every bad thing we're getting, but we pray for mercy. And you know, Nineveh was within 40 days of judgment. And yet God spared Nineveh. And so that, that needs to be our prayer. But let's go to Psalm 37. Uh, there are definitely people plotting against us. As I mentioned recently, um, it come out and was revealed in some FOIA requests that people who are buying Bibles um, are considered as possible terrorists. It's funny that people who are buying Qurans are not considered the same. Isn't that weird? It's just the exact opposite. It's Isaiah 5.20. But, so what do we do in these days? Well, Psalm 37, verse 1. What's the first two words? Fret not. Fret not. Well, that's number one. What we've got to do is look into the Bible 
we should fret not because it's real easy. If we, if we just listen to the news and don't read the Bible, or even if we l- listen to more news than we're reading the Bible, we're going to fret. But the Bible tells us, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Well, we really need that verse, don't we? Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be what? Cut down like the grass and withers the green herb. You know, we could feel just like Elijah did. Jezebel wrote him a note saying, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. We could feel the same way. It's like even our own government is against us as Christians. Uh, They don't want us to tell the truth that sodomy is an abomination to God, that that transgenderism is, is shaking their fist at God who made everything after its kind. And, and with man, male and female, there's no confusion with God. It's, it's, it's a nation that's, that's so corrupt. But what happened to Jeremiah? Jeremiah was prophesying that Israel was going to be conquered. And so what did he do? When the, when the army backed off, when the Babylonians backed off because Pharaoh was coming up, um, Jeremiah just decided to take off out of the city. But God wanted him in that city to proclaim his truth. And so when Jeremiah tried to take off on his own, he was arrested in the gates and thrown in prison. And so uh, it says, verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Wherever God wants us, we want to be there. Because God wants his word. God wanted Jeremiah amongst his people that had not been taken captive. Because he wanted his truth to go forth. Jeremiah wanted Daniel in the palace of the Gentile king who had conquered them. God wanted his truth there. All the captives of Israel who who were taken captive, God wanted Ezekiel there was that neither of those three men had it easy, but God wanted his man there to give his truth. And so um, do we feel like taking off, you know, back in the last two elections, some people said, well, if, if certain one is elected, I'm going to a different country. But as Christians, if God wants us here, then we need to be here as truth bearers, light bearers. Uh, if God wants us in a, a foreign country, then that's where we need to be. But as far as just taking off and running, God doesn't want us to do that. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in who? The Lord. The Lord. And he shall give thee what? the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in who? The Lord. Lord, And wait patiently for him. 
Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and what? The wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Verse 12. The wicked, what? Plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. And just on down through here, just Psalm 37 is just a chapter we as Christians really need in this day and hour. Um, there's so much evil, so much corruption. But if you remember the story of Abimelech in the, the city of Shechem, and you think of what ended up happening in that place, um, they basically both destroyed each other. And we may be watching the beginning of that right now in our nation of the wicked. They, before we know it, they may be devouring each other. But we know we can trust the Lord, whatever comes. Even David, even David got into this, this I don't know if you'd call it terror, but this flight mode. Notice in 1 Samuel 27, David was anointed king. Uh, he's made the, the king's personal musician. Um, a battle happens. He's sent back home. His dad sends him to see how the boys are doing. Goliath comes out. David kills Goliath. Um, and for it, what does he get? Well, King Saul had said, you know, whoever kills Goliath, I'll make his house free in Israel. Um, is that what happened? No, David kills Goliath, and then Saul doesn't want him to go home. Saul wants him there, but that short-lived, and then we find the ladies are singing about Saul has slain his thousands, and David is ten thousands. Well, now Saul, King Saul becomes envious of David, and and David has to run for his life on and off for years. Um, so if we go to 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, 1 Samuel 27, 1. David gets tired of running for his life. Would we? What, what if somebody was after us trying to kill us? Someone very high in government. Uh, it would wear on you, wouldn't it? First Samuel 27, 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than, I, that, than that I should what? speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose. So he says in verse 1, There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape. That was not direction from God. That was what he decided in his own mind. Hey, has God protected me through all these years of Saul chasing me? Yes. Um, but 
I know there's nothing better. There is nothing better for me than to run. There's nothing better. I need to run into the land of the Philistines, and King Saul will quit chasing me, trying to kill me. I know there's nothing better for me. That's dangerous when we say, there's nothing better for me than I just need to do this. Well, what we need to do is seek God. God, what do I need to do? That is, that's the best thing to do. But no, he decided there's nothing better for me than to escape and go into the land of the Philistines. Well, Whenever we say against God's will, whenever we just decide on our own, there's nothing better for me than doing this or that. What we're going to find out is it doesn't help our situation. Um, look in verse 7, 1 Samuel 27:7. So David, anyway, ends up going down to the land of the Philistines, verse 7. And the time that David dwelled in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have you made a road today? So David has gone up against all these people. And Achish, the Philistine leader, says, uh, Where have you made a road today, David? Where did you get all this stuff anyway? And David said, Against the south of what? Judah. Judah. He tells Achish, Yeah, I, I went up and I attacked Israel. I got this out of Judah, all this stuff, in the south of Jeramulites, and against the south of the Kenites. The Kenites were friends with Israel. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should, what? Tell on us, saying, so did David, and so will be his man, or all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. So David lied to Achish. And he had to kill all the people that he attacked, lest they tell on him, lest they tell the truth. Verse 12, and Achish, what? Believe David, Believe David saying, he hath made who? His people. His people Israel utterly to abhor him. And therefore he shall be my servant forever. So see, David said, there's nothing better for me than to run into the land of the Philistines. There's nothing better for me, even though God's been protecting me in his promised land. This king is after my life, so there's nothing better for me. I'm sure there's nothing better for me than to run into the Philistines' land. So he gets there. Um, how's he going to supply the needs for his men? Uh, well, he attacks other groups of people. And then he has to lie to Achish, saying, well, I've attacked Israel. And, but he has to kill all these people so they don't tell on him. Um, do you think there's any stress level 
with living the life of a lie? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. You see, he didn't have to do that when he was in Israel. He didn't have to do that. He could find a way to get food and things, honestly. But now in the land of the Philistines, no. No, it's very, very stressful to live a life where, to live a life of a lie, and then you're always wondering, is the truth going to be found out? That's, that's not stress-free living. Then we go to chapter 28, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare, to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. Oh. So he's told a lie that I've gone against my own people. And now Achish says, well, then you'll have no problem at all, will you? Because we're going against Israel now, so you can join with us. It's, it's what you've done yourself, so now you, now you can join with us. Verse 2, and David said to Achish, surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. You know, it's, it's one thing to be in the land of Israel and need God's protection from the leadership. But now to flee to the foreign land and now to have to lie to get by and now to be asked to go against your own people, now you're talking about battling not just against the corrupt leadership, but against innocent Israel people that are in the army. He's in a bad way here, but what can he do? Verse 2, but say, yeah, I'll go. Um, he's, he's, he's in a bad, a bad spot. If you look in chapter 29, God gets David, God graciously gets David out of this mess so he doesn't have to kill his, his own Jewish brethren. First uh, Samuel 29.1, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on in the rearward with Achish. Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years? And I have found no fault in him, since he fell unto me this day. And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place, which thou hast appointed him. And let him not go down to, with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David, of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Then Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright and thy going out and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. Well, to make it look good, David argues in verse 8, Well, what have I done? Why, why won't you let me go to the battle? I mean, he has to make it look really good. But God gets him out of it, so Achish, nope, 
you, you are to go home. Um, so David goes home. But is everything okay now? No. If you look in chapter 30, verse 1, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag, that's the city where they lived, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and what? Burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Is it, is it good to say, there's nothing better for me than to do this? I am sure. I am sure. No, I haven't asked God, but I'm sure. I'm sure there's nothing better for me than to do this or that. No, no, I didn't ask God, but I am sure there's nothing better for me than to do what I'm going to do. And so what does it get, David? He has to live a life of a lie for over a year. Um, he almost has to go against his own people, Israel. And now God gets him out of that. But at the end, he comes back to his home city. And what happens? Um, their city is burned with fire. And their own family is all taken captive. All taken hostage. And... What does he do? Well, that's not the least of his trouble. Um, you look at verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. The Bible says, And David was what? Greatly distressed. For the people, the people spoken of here are his own men. David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So David, it is so dangerous to say, there's nothing better for me than to do this. I know, I know. To say that without consulting God can get us in the biggest mess of our lives. We need God's help. We need, we need God's direction. Oh, we can say there's nothing better for me than to do this. I, I just know. We know so little. And we have no clue. The, mess. the only thing David had to worry about before was his own life. And God was protecting him on every hand from King Saul getting at him. But as soon as David says, I know there's nothing better for me than to do this without consulting God, now he's having to kill innocent people. Now he's having to lie. Um, now his own family is, is taken captive, hostage. And now his own men are speaking of stoning him, killing him. Uh, no, he, he multiplied his problems by saying, I know there's nothing better for me than to 
No. In closing, let's go to Romans 12. No, there's, listen. We have no clue of the trouble we can get into by saying, I know there's nothing better for me than, than to do this or that. We need God's direction. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto who? God, God which is your reasonable service. So the best thing for each of us to do is to present ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of what? So how do we know what God wants us to do? It will come through the renewing of our mind in the word of God. He'll direct us by the renewing of your mind that ye may what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God in our lives. Don't we want what's good, acceptable, and perfect in the will of God? Well, that will make us blessed, and that is what we need. Well, our time's up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, at times we get in situations just like Elijah and just like David, where the only thing we can think of is, I got to run. I've got to run. And yet, Lord, we have seen today from your word just the huge problems that David found himself in. It, it, it did not relieve his stress level. It, it did not help his problems. It only compounded them. So, Lord, whatever situation we are facing right now, and for each of us, it'll, it'll be different situations. But I pray you'd help us, Lord, not to say, I know there's nothing better for me than to do this or that. Lord, help us to humbly come before you and say, Lord, I need you. I need your direction. I need your help. I need to know what to do. I need your peace in my life. I need your blessing in my life. Help us, Lord, to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.